What is going on, everybody? It's the Fly Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Martin Novak. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll know that back in June, I took my Part 107 test and passed with flying colors. And I used Drone Launch Academy to do this. Um, It's an online course, test prep course. You get to take practice tests. It takes you through all the modules. And I thought the course was actually so good that I reached out to the founder, David Young, and wanted to see if he wanted to come on the show. And lo and behold, he did. So this week's guest is David Young, the founder of Drone Launch Academy. It was an interesting podcast because in the modules I saw his face in a lot of the instructional videos for like the whole 12 hours or whatever it took me. Um, but it was the first time he was ever seeing my face or talking to me. So it was pretty interesting dynamic for me. Um, he was a super nice guy, worked for the FBI for eight years, which I didn't know. And on this podcast, he talks about you know his past, the FBI, what led him to drones in general, and then how he started the Drone Launch Academy, what it took, um, how it's been doing, kind of the ins and outs of it, and where it's headed. So I hope you guys really enjoy the show. I know it's not FPV, but maybe some of you out there have been thinking about getting your 107, and with regulations maybe changing, I think it's a good idea. Um, especially if you got the skills to fly a drone, I think the time is coming when uh, you can make some good money off of it if it's not already here. So that being said, it's in the podcast, but you can use uh, the code PODCAST50 to get uh, $50 off the drone launch course. And I think it's $150 or $200 right now, so you can get a sizable chunk off. So if you've been tossing around the idea of getting your 107 and you need to take a course, make sure to check out the Drone Launch Academy and use code PODCAST50. And that code does not actually come from my show. It comes from David's podcast, because along with the Drone Launch Academy, he has a podcast called Drone 21K, and it's people that make at least $1,000 a month um, with drones. So make sure to check out the podcast and then check out Drone Launch Academy if you're thinking about getting your 107. And then don't forget, this episode is brought, brought to you by Real Steady. So if you're thinking about getting Real Steady Go, use code FLYLIFE to get $5 off and get that footage stable. As always, see you guys next week. I really got to stop saying that because I dropped two of these a week. Peace. And so David Young, founder of Drone Launch. Before we get into the uh, drone side of stuff and the academy, tell me a bit about yourself, like pre-drone launch, what's your background, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, so let's see. I don't know how far back you want me to go. So I was, we were winding way back. Like when I was a kid, I wanted to be like a fighter pilot. I was like, I'm going to be a fighter pilot. And then um, I joined Civil Air Patrol. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Civil Air yeah. Patrol. But basically, it's like, yeah, like the high school version of the Air Force. And or mid, I think I was in middle school, maybe. But I uh, started doing that. I thought it was cool. And then I went to this thing called Encampment, which is basically like a one-week boot camp for all these kids to go to. And that was like the worst experience of my life. I was like, I don't like all these people yelling at me. I don't understand what's, what everybody's problem is. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I just want to go home. This sucks. I don't think the military is for me. Yeah. I was basically as soft as you could get, you know. Um, I was like, I did not like it. And then I found out I had like screwed up feet. And so I was like, ah, they're like, you're never, you're not going to be able to go in the military. So I was like, sweet, I'll just change it up. Now I want to be a commercial pilot. So, um, so I thought I want to be a commercial pilot. I got some scholarships to go to some colleges. So like, uh, I got a scholarship to go to Embry Riddle and I got a scholarship to go to another, uh, school called Florida Tech. Not as well known, but it's just another like flight school in Florida. Um, I'm from Florida. Uh, okay. so I ended up going to Florida Tech. I just liked the vibe there a little bit better. Uh, 
started flying planes, which was cool most of the time, but then some of the time I'm like, I don't know, this is really stressing me out. Just these little planes. So so they have like planes from the 70s, right? These like Piper Warriors. And I mean, I, I'm sure they did, they, I don't know if anybody from this school just like happens to listen to this podcast. I'm not trying to bash the school, right? Old planes fall apart. It just happens, right? So like while they were well-maintained for the most part, occasionally someone would be like, oh, did you hear about Ricky? He tried to land and one of his landing gear just like ripped off and the plane like spun out on the runway. And you're like, oh, that's great. Yeah, and that's then, great. you know, <laughs> one time I was, yeah, one time I was flying and I'm turning and I look over and I see like fuel like spilling out of the wing and I'm like, that's not normal. So just all these little things, I'm just like, every time I got on the plane, I'm like, well, today's the day I'm going to die. The plane's going down in flames, you know? So it just really stressed me out. So I was like, you know, I need to, I need to switch it up. So after doing that for a year, I got my pilot's license. Um, but, uh, but I was like, I just, I just want to do something on the ground. I like business. So I, so I went and I did some accounting stuff. Uh, I went to Florida State, switched to Florida State where some of my friends were, did accounting and finance. Um, and you still have the pilot's license and, you know, kind of got over the whole, like, uh, you know, still don't love small airplanes just because they're higher risk, but I'm not like, you know, it's not, not quite the same as it was before. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so fast forward, I did I did uh, undergrad at FSU, did accounting and finance, ended up going to work for the FBI for like eight years. So they recruited right out of right out of Florida State for some reason, and I originally interviewed with, with them as a joke because I was like the girl I was dating at the time, which is now my wife. Uh, I was like, oh, wouldn't this be hilarious if I interviewed with them? Like, I was like, whatever, it's good interview practice. You're a senior in college. I'm just like throwing my resume. What could out, be worse you know, than an like, FBI mm-hmm. interview? Like, if I get through this, everything else will seem easy. Yeah, I'm just like, sweet. Just apply to everything. I was applying to, you know, like you just apply to everything. It's like at the very, at the very least, it's good practice, you know. So, because I wanted to work at a bank, or I don't know, I ever feel like everybody thought they wanted to work at a bank. I was graduating in like 2009, 2010. Not exactly like the pinnacle of like available banking jobs. Yeah. So yeah. Um, great point. <laughs> yeah. Everybody just got fired. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, you know, oh cool, fresh undergrad. Yeah. Why don't we hire you? So uh, so I had a couple banking interviews, but um, anyway, so they're like, cool, good first interview. Uh, we'll fly to DC for free uh, for the second interview if you want. And I'm like, we'll put you up in a hotel. All this stuff. Uh, I guess it was a good budget year for the FBI. So I was like, sweet. Uh, you know. What's the worst that could happen? I'll just fly up there, free trip. I've never been to D.C. before. This could be fun. Or I went maybe when I was like a little kid or something. So uh, so I flew up there for the second round interview. Um, didn't seem super hard. I was like, oh, this is cool. Everybody's real nice. And then a couple months later, they offered me a job. And they offered me a job, and the deadline to decide was before the rest of my interviews were like happening because they have like a really long background check process. So they kind of have to, you have to like decide like months in advance. So I was like, whatever. Uh, we were engaged at the time, and my wife uh, is a nurse, or my, you know, my fiance at the time. She was doing nursing stuff, and it was a really good hospital in DC she wanted to work at. So we decided to go for it, and uh, yeah, it was a great experience. I ended up working for them for almost eight years, doing various finance stuff. So some of it was kind of like the stuff that sounds boring, it's like payroll, budgeting, and forecasting, uh, which was actually like a lot more complex and hard than it sounds. And then on the other side, I did some like forensic accounting, so like white collar crime investigations, and um, uh, yeah, just a bunch of just a bunch of number stuff while I was there. Uh, and then on the side, I was doing some consulting. I had some friends from college that ended up get, working for some companies up there in DC, and uh, they just needed help with like analytics and finance. So um, so I got some like side consulting gigs, which was fun, and that's kind of when I got a little like the entrepreneurial taste. And really liked um, like that work because 
government work, you know, it's cool working for the FBI, but at the same time, it's still working for the government. So you could like bust your butt for, you know, all day long, or you could do the bare minimum and you're getting paid the same amount. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I liked, I liked the fact in consulting or just being an entrepreneur, even if it's just like a side hustle, side work, it's like, Oh, if I try harder, I get paid more. If I flake off, they're just not going to hire me back. You know what I mean? Um, so that was fun. So I did that. So, um, Couple like startup companies, uh, worked for them. My friend was, I had a friend from church that was like a, like a real cool guy and he had invested in some companies. And so he like passed me along to some of the companies he'd, he had invested in. And I ended up like doing some work for them. So just kind of like fortunate, just like, Oh, no people who needed random stuff. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing half the time though, but, uh, but it was fun. I mean, and you had FBI I knew I was doing on your resume. Like, they were all stuff. like, yeah, let's get this guy. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Um, no. I, I didn't try to. I, I was honest about my what I could bring to the table. You know, I wasn't. I didn't want to like promise something and then show up and be like, Ugh, you know. Yeah, so. like we took down. But as far as like, I was part of that team. Yeah, 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 that was me. That was me. Like somebody called me and they're like, "Yeah, we're looking for someone who like is really experienced in the." Uh, they were like a clothing company, really experienced in like the manufacturing and apparel industry, and I like, could know all these benchmarks for us and this and that. I was like. Guys, I'm gonna level with you. Like, I can make you a dashboard, but I'm not gonna have any idea how to like fill out what you need filled out. Yeah. Like, oh, thank you for your transparency. And uh, they did not hire me, which is good because I don't want to, you know, do stuff I can't do. Anyway, sorry. So I'm, I'm rambling on, but you fast forward from that. Um, one of the guys on my squad at the FBI, they call them squads. It's just like a group of people that work on a specific type of case. Um, he was a former Army guy, and he was really into drones. And I had the flying background and had my pilot's license. Um, so we would always just yuck it up about drones. And this was back in like 2014, 2015. The early um, days of drones. And, yeah, as far as drones go, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we would just chat a lot about them, and I was getting more into them. And I bought a couple drones. Um, and, dude, I, like anybody who's flown a drone for the first time, you fly one, you're just like, oh, holy crap, this is sick. You know what I mean? Um, and like I bought like a little Sima X5C. I'm not sure if you know what that is. Yeah. It's like a little forty dollars drone. Yep. Yeah. Terrible grainy camera. You don't even know what you're shooting, but you're just like taking pictures and stuff. <laughs> um, but I just like flew it above my townhouse, took some photos, came back down, popped on my computer, and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so dope. Um so yeah, so I was just like hooked on it, I loved it. Um and then I'm not sure if you remember, but at the time, if you wanted to like and I think my friend, Army Ranger Man, told me about Oh yeah, you have to have like a pilot's license if you want to fly them commercially. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, wasn't it like that the F thirty three or the three thirty three exemption days or whatever. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so I was like, "Dang, well, guess what? I got my pilot's license. This is sweet." So I started looking into it some more, and I'm like, "Cool." So there's this barrier to entry. That means there'll be less competition. This could be a good opportunity for a side hustle. You know, make some cash. Get an excuse to buy drones, you know, because it's hard to go to my wife and be like, "Hey, I know we're trying to budget and everything, but can I go buy like a thousand dollar drone?" Yeah. But if it's a business expense, you know, it's different. So, um, so yeah, so I started looking at that process, the whole three thirty three exemption, and um, dude, that was just a giant mess, man. Like, there's no, there's no template, there's no nothing. It was just like the FAA going, "Cool, well, technically, operating a drone is illegal." So you have to ask for, you know, give us reasons why you should be exempt from these like 10 or 12 federal regulations um, and just write it to us in paragraph form. And then we'll look at it for three months and then we'll let you know if it's good or not. You know, it's just like ridiculous. Seems legit. Yeah. So, um, 
So I just spent a lot of time researching it, and then I finally kind of figured out the process after just like calling a lot of people and just digging a lot. I was able to figure out the process and how to do it successfully. Uh, and I was like, well, shoot, if I've got this problem, probably a lot of people got this problem. So I uh, ended up creating this form. Um, I ended up creating like a good template that worked. Like, cool, if I can do this, uh, sorry, I think for like if I can do this and replicate it, like I could probably just you know do this for other people too. So I almost offered it, or I started offering it as like a service. They're like, hey, listen, if you don't want to mess with like all the research and stuff, like I'll just collect the information I need from you, which is like what kind of drones you have, your company name, like all the stuff the FAA wanted to know. I was like, and then I'll just plug it into like I'll I'll create the document for you and send it to you. Um, you can review it, and then like I'll take care of uploading it to the right place or getting it to the FAA, and like basically handle it back and forth. So, um, dude, that started just like so many people wanted to like me to do that for them. I was like so surprised like how many people were trying to get this done. Um, so that's what I was like, oh shoot, man, drone industry is like uh, it's like really kind of taking off, like. I know it's a stupid pun. You're like, oh, drone is chicken. But like, it's really like, like a lot of people are interested in this. You, you know? got me with that pun. And and it, my, it's funny you say that too, because like I worked for a small UAV shop at the time, and like that was kind of like the bottleneck sometimes of the whole operation was like, yo, who's got the 333? Who can we bring out here this weekend to go do this? Yeah. Like, we got this $100,000 fixed wing, 10 foot wingspan rig, and we just need someone to stand by it while we fly it. Yeah, yeah. I know it's a crazy thing. It's like, I literally had people going in personal opinion like total overkill to require a pilot's license to fly a drone like most drones like a phantom or something like yeah obviously you can physically fly those i mean the main thing is they just wanted people to know about the airspace and not getting in the way of other aircraft and stuff like that but um but yeah like i would literally talk to people on the phone i'm like so i really have to get a pilot's license i'm like yeah technically i mean you can get like a sport pilot's license or you can get like a you know like powered parachute license or whatever and those like sufficed um so there's like kind of loopholes, but people were going out and paying, you know, five grand, six grand to like go get a license, like a sport pilot's license to then go get the 333 exemption, wait three months and then be like good to go. Right. So, but yeah, no, you're exactly right. It was like, or, the, or people were offering services were like, cool, you can just like pay me to operate under my 333 exemption and all this rig and roll. Um, so anyway, so I, so I did that for, several months and i was like well geez this is like yeah a lot of people a lot of people want this and then right after that the fa is like oh now you don't have to have that anymore we're going to change it again and um now we're going to create like our own remote pilot certificate so that's when the whole like this was like you know early to mid 2016 yeah yeah and like remote pilot certificate i'm like dope so I was like, well, good and bad. The bad is all this work that I set up in this like kind of like mini side business is completely vanished because nobody, you know, you don't need this anymore. Um, and as soon as that came out, like that they were moving to that, I stopped like offering my services to people, even though some like like the people that other people were doing like kept letting people pay them, even though they knew like this isn't going to be necessary anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyways, that was kind of that was kind of low ball, but um, I tried to cut it off as soon as I found out. Like, okay, cool, we're gonna change it. Um, so yeah, man. So so that's when I was like, all right, cool. If there's a test, let me figure out like what's on this test. Um, and it's kind of that's that's surprisingly hard to do when the test doesn't exist yet. 
like trying to create a test prep course for a uh, like test that you don't know exactly like what's going to be on it, other than the FAA saying like, "Hey, here's all the books you can read, all these random publica- internet publications and FAA books to sift through um, to figure out like what to study." And dude, it's like I added up it's like a thousand pages or something. Yeah, it was, it was just, like fifteen. It was just funny because like that's what led me to drone launch. Was like, okay, yeah, I can do this on my own. Let me just go to the FAA website, and they were like, yeah, it's gonna be from this set of pages right here. And I looked at it, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna pay for a course. This is ridiculous. Like, there's no <laughs> exactly. way that like 150 pages of material is gonna be on here. I need like the focused material, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Well, even they're like study, you know, because the FAA put out like a hey, here's a study yeah. guide and. It, you know, so I heard some people say like, "Yeah, I was able to use that and get it," and like, "That's cool." And I know there's like YouTube videos and some other stuff, but like, and some people say like, well, "Why do I need that course when I can just find it for free other places?" And I'm like, usually like, no, like knock yourself out. It's totally fine. Like, I feel like on the internet, there's several ways to do stuff, right? You can either like hunt around for all the free info, which is fine, and you know, like YouTube videos, some of this, some of that. You know, like if you're super resourceful and you don't mind doing that, that's one option, right? I mean, it takes more time, but if you really want to spend the money, like that's one way to do it. Um, and there's other people who are just like, I don't really want to mess with this. Like, I just want to get it done. And like somebody else has already put the info together. Just give me that. Yeah. And so like those are the people that are usually like our customers. They're just like, cool. I don't mind paying 150 for you to just like hand me. Like you just tell me, here's what you need to know. Here's not like, don't mess with this. If you know this, you'll be good. So, um, so that's what we try to do. But yeah, so that's like our, that was like our main selling point. It's like, Hey, we spent and did, you know, earlier you asked kind of like how long did it take to make the course? Dude way longer than I had anticipated. Um, I was still working for the FBI at the time, so I was doing this on like nights and weekends. And um, it is like, I can so imagine, it's, it's super in-depth, like videos, you know, links, um, or not like links, but like page links with different kinds of info. Like it was like a really, po- like I've had college online courses that were less polished than this $150 <laughs> course. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Yeah, well, thanks. That's that's good to know. Uh, yeah, it, just, it, took, it took a long time. Uh, and I didn't know what I was doing. So I basically took all the money that I had made from helping people with 333 exemptions and spent it all on uh, creating the new prep course. You know, so I bought like video equipment and I bought like, like hey, everything honey, I thought I needed. Hey, remember the $1,000 drone? We're going to scale up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was like no, no, it's, just, it's an investment. So, uh, yeah, so I changed the name and, and uh, I don't remember how I thought of Drone Launch Academy. I think my father-in-law thought of it maybe i don't remember maybe this is available an available uh, domain oh by the way the day that they announced the part 107 regulations i went through everything they had to see all these new terms they were talking about so that's when they first called it like a remote piloting command so dude i think i bought like 200 different domain names and i tried to scoop up like every different like version of of uh all the terminology so i just have some ridiculous Domain names that'll never be used, like FAA Remote Piloting Command Test Prep 107.com yeah, or something. It's just like a 20 no character URL. No. Yeah, yeah. No one's ever going to use it. So um, I let some of those expire just because I was like, it's not worth paying like $2,000 a year just to, to secure these random domain names that probably nobody wants, anyways. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, dude, so um, that was like 2016. 
this is like the longest story ever, by the way. If you want me to like fast forward to a couple like other points, uh, I'm happy to. No, I'm happy man, to this skip. is great. Um, you know, like like a theme of this show is like trying to bring out details um, through conversation. So instead of being like, "Hey, what's the secret to this and the secret of that?" It's like, "Tell me the whole story," and the listener can kind of pick up what they're trying to learn. And I think, um, cool. you know, like Drone Launch Academy and like a lot of my guests are, you know, like it's a company, like a face. Um, and like, you know, like on the Drone Launch thing, you have like an excerpt on like the background and stuff like that. But it's not like, it's like I never knew you worked for the FBI because I took the course. Like that's super awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's true. Um, so yeah, so like, let's see. So, you know, I decided cool, make a prep course. Um, and I ended up going to this, you asked earlier how I met some of the other folks that helped me with the course. So um, I ended up going to this conference in DC. I took off time from work and took two days, three days to go to this conference called the um, USI, Unmanned Systems AUVSI. Institute. No, it's not AUVSI. I know that's the big one. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was US, USI. I don't know if they're still around anymore. This was in 2016. ESI, I'm a unmanned. Um, if you're cool, I'm gonna drop the video just so we go to audio, so we don't have to deal with this freezing up issue. If you're cool with that, yes, yeah, yep, totally cool. I'll talk about it too. So. Sounds good. Unmanned Systems Incorporated. Nope, that's not it. Unmanned Safety Institute. That's it. Okay. Um. Nope, that's not it either. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. I went to some some uh, some conference. Maybe that was it. It was something about un- it was something for unmanned. I don't even know if it's around anymore. Maybe it's Unmanned Safety Institute. But uh, but they put on a conference and um, and I went to it. And there was not many people there. It was like maybe fifty or sixty at this whole like conference. It was. I was thinking it was going to be like you know like uh, inner drone or some of these you know exponential conferences where they're like the. 3,000 people, tons of exhibitors, and I show up and it was like 60 people in like a I banquet room. all these rooms in a day. <laughs> yeah, no, so seriously. so But it, but that turned out to be really good because you could kind of like get to know people a little bit more closely. So I met like a guy who was like the um, chief data security dude for AirMap, and then the main guys I met were, um, and I met some like drone insurance guys too that I ended up seeing at conferences uh, years later. But the two people that I met that were really important to the future of drone launch were uh, Don Birchoff. He's a retired Air Force colonel, um, and he used to be. This, this is probably one of the most impressive people I've ever met. I like heard his background, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Um, if you if you partnered with me on this course, it would be the most overqualified weather person for a drone course of all time. So he was a, a colonel in the Air Force. He ran like Air Force bases overseas. Uh, also, during his career, he was head of all weather operations for the entire airport for the entire Air Force at the Pentagon. Wow. Um, former like, and then an- another guy on his team that ended up working for us, Nathan, or n- working with us. He was the lead weather forecaster for Air Force One, like the president's seven forty seven. He was uh, he was in Afghanistan doing. Um, uh, air, like weather forecasting for military drones for military UAVs, and so they're like, this is this was like their background, and they're like, what's your background? I'm like, oh well, I did accounting for the FBI. And they're like, oh okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, not quite the same. Um, 
but uh but no so, so i was i met him he was just a really cool guy really nice really outgoing uh and then i met another guy um andrew zamitty also super qualified dude he was a partner at a law firm in dc he was also a private pilot also had his instrument rating also formerly in the navy he was like a jag attorney um and now he handled like the drone law for his um for his practice like for his law firm I was like, okay, awesome. So I just kind of met them and just chatted with them. They were just both nice guys. And we never really talked about like, I mean, I kind of told them about like the long-term vision I had, but I wasn't like thinking, oh, I'm going to go here and I need to find these two people. You know, uh, I was just kind of going to meet people and hang out and learn stuff. It was a really cool conference. Um, learned stuff uh, that from the presenters, a lot about like, uh, even on like the um, the automobile side of like unmanned automobiles you know like the autonomous cars and stuff yeah. like it's really, really interesting nothing to do about drones but i just thought it was cool um so after the after the conference is over i'm thinking i'm like man you know what I, these guys would be awesome to partner with like if they would ever like i kind of felt like a nobody you know i'm like if they would ever partner with me like this like small fry um and i'm like and i thought you know they'll probably want a lot of money and you know whatever so I emailed them. It's kind of like a Hail Mary email, like, hey, John, it was great to meet you. Love hearing about what you're doing. I, I could probably dig up the email. You're like, hey, I hope but things I'm are going good after Afghanistan and whatnot, whatever you do. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, hey, how is it keeping the Air Force safe from all weather phenomena? Anyways. Globally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so I was like, uh, well, he had, sorry. So now he was retired. So he had started his own weather company called True Weather Solutions. And they did like micro weather forecasts for like, large municipalities and cities so like the new york port authority he would help them forecast like if fog how dense the fog was going to be at different ports or on different bridges and just like really super detailed weather forecasting and he was wanting to use that same kind of technology for drones especially when drones start working beyond line of sight and for drone deliveries and all that stuff in the future you know he's like really detailed micro level um, weather forecasts are going to be important for the drone to know, like to reroute or different altitude, things like that. Um, so he's he's like super smart, way forward looking, way smarter than I am. Um, so I kind of shot him like a hail mary email, like, "Hey Don, basically you're awesome. I'm not worthy, but here's you know, as I mentioned, like I'm kind of putting this together. I would love for you to be a part of it." <clears throat> and I and I pitched it as this, like, "I know you're trying to like really break into the drone space." And I think this, you know, could be a good way to get you some additional exposure for your company um, because basically I'm planning on I'm going to blow this thing up, you know. But yeah. I didn't say that, but I was like, you know, it could be good for you. Uh, and I was like, and I'll link out to all your stuff. I'll give you as much internet love as I possibly can. Um, but I've already spent all my money on uh, video equipment, so <laughs> uh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that specifically. The videos are going to be great, but <laughs> yeah, I was like super high quality. So, uh, and to my surprise, he's like. Yeah, dude, we're definitely interested. Um, I'm linking in some team members, and let's get it figured out. I'm like, awesome. So same thing with Andrew Zamitti, same response. I was like, wow, I can't believe this. This is this is great. So I'm trying to make it as – these are both very busy busy guys. So I'm trying to make it as, like, low um, – like, I don't want to say low touch, but, like, I want to, like, take as much off their shoulders as possible, like, make it as easy for them to participate as possible, right? So I wrote all the curriculum and all the scripts. So like for the videos that we're doing, there are like typed out in Word documents, like word for word, what to say. And we had teleprompters and all this jazz. So or at first it wasn't a teleprompter. It was just an iPad that was like 
directly situated above the lens. So if you actually watch closely in some of the videos, you can see their eyes looking just above the camera, and you're like, why does it feel weird? And it's because he's not really like looking here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but, uh, but so I wrote all the scripts and I wrote all the curriculum and I, I was like, cool, like, here's what I wrote, but you're the, you're the professional, like you're the subject matter expert. Like you look it sober, read it, change anything you want. Like if this doesn't sound like you in the video, if you think this sounds dumb, like change it to make it sound like you, whatever you want. But I at least wanted to give them like something to work with instead of saying, Hey, cool. Can you write my curriculum from scratch? And by the way, like, thanks for the favor. You know, like I wasn't, I was not going to do that. And at this so, point, did you know what was going to be um, on the test? I mean, so I had, they had these things called like, um, they basically gave like content outlines, the FAA did and said, Hey, here's the, the types of knowledge that we're going to test. Um, but I didn't know the types of questions really. Um, you know, I knew in general what, what topics they were going to test on. So we tried to cover those topics, but we just had to basically after the test came out, we had to take the test, uh, and then add additional content based on what they were testing on. So it turned out they were testing a lot more on um, sectional charts and a lot of different variations of sectional chart questions came up. Uh, so we added some more of that. And then some of the stuff they said they were going to test on, they like never talked about once, you know, like, uh, you know, runway and taxiway signage and markings. Like there's a bunch of that stuff in our course, um, but they never really test on that. And we tell people that, but it's like, it's technically fair game, so we leave it in there, but I've never, I mean, I've personally taken the test like three or four times and I've never seen it come up. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, so we, you know, I write it off for them, they modify it. I go to Andrew, I talk to him, like, he owns an airplane and uh, like a small, like, uh, Piper airplane. And he's like, you know, I think it would be really cool to film in front of my airplane. And I'm like, dude, I love that idea. But me, not having ever really filmed anything before, like I didn't really know what I was doing. <clears throat> so we got to the air, the airstrip, or the Manassas Airport in Virginia, where I lived at the time, and uh, set up all the stuff. We're filming. It's super windy. I don't know if you've ever been like on an airport tarmac, but there's not a lot of stuff like to keep the wind from blowing. So it's just ridiculously windy and super sunny. And so the sun's beating down on them. So I got some of those like sunshade things. And I'm trying to hold them up, but they keep blowing over because of the wind and Oh, dude, it was a nightmare. So I ended up, like, recruiting my brother to stand there and, like, just hold this thing in the air for me. And I was paying him to, like, just be, like, a human. He's like, human... killer gig, let me do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, human palm tree for yeah, me. Yeah, could have gotten, um, gotten some zip ties and a tripod, but I'm glad you're paying me to do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, I had, like, a tripod, and I was I had sandbags, but it's just, like, a giant sail. It just, like, falls over. So, um, anyway, so... And then I didn't think about, like, we're doing all this filming, but it's going from, like, daytime to nighttime. And, you know, we're filming a lot, but in the course of the video, you might have, like, a five-minute video that took two hours to film. And uh, from the start of the video to the end of the video, it goes from, like, daytime to nighttime. And people are like, wow, it's getting, it's getting dark fast. It's, like, little stuff like that that I, uh, that I didn't think about that was just kind of, like, funny. Um, so it took, like, three days, I think, of filming with uh, Drew. Um, and then... For uh, for Don, we actually filmed all that stuff in his dining room. So all the stuff you see that's in his house. Um, those are his windows in his house. So we, I went there. We cleared his dining room. Uh, basically, it was, I think it might have been one day, one full day of filming for, for him. Maybe it was two. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had written everything out beforehand. And, 
and uh, just started just started knocking it out. But a couple times there were like snafus where I forgot to like turn the microphone level up, so they recorded like three sections, and I was like, "Oh guys, I'm so sorry. None of that, none of the audio get for that." And they were like trying to be nice about it, but I could tell they were kind of frustrated. Yeah, that's like the worst. Like um, when you got to tell them you forgot to hit record on something, or like forgot to turn something. You're like, "Hey, yeah. really good job. Let's uh, let's roll that back and do it again." Yeah, yeah. Like that last thirty minutes, we'll redo that, and I'm gonna order you guys some pizza because you're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, so they were, they were super nice. That was really good. Um, and then after that, then it was getting it all edited, and I'm like, well, shoot, I don't know how to do that. So, just dude, I didn't know what I was doing at first when I started off. It just was uh, months and months and months of contacting random people, figuring it out, trying to put it together. Um. Ended up buying a course on how to, actually, that's how I found it. So I bought a course on like how to film interviews, right? It was just like a real basic, here's the camera to buy. Here's what to do. Here's how to set it up. You know, here's how to mic people. So I, I was using that for like my, since I was doing all the video production of it. And they also had a section on editing, but dude, editing takes forever and it's hard to make it look good. So I ended up contacting the guy who made the course and was like, Hey man, um, do you just want to edit these for Great me and I'll course, pay you? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this looks like a total beast. Can you do this for me? And he's like, "Yeah, man, I'll help you out." So he helped me edit all of it, which was really nice of him. And I paid him. Uh, we got it done. And then also, my cousin uh, is a motion graphics. Oh yeah, <clears throat> I started with this. My cousin Curtis. Hold on, I gotta take a sip of my my drink here. I'm getting getting yeah, hoarse. Do a lot of talking. So my cousin Curtis. He's a motion graphics designer for CNN, and uh, he's like super talented. Like he can make like really ridiculous looking stuff. Um, and I was like, Curtis, you're the most skilled video person I know. Can you edit my videos? And he's like, Well, I don't really do editing, but I can. I'm happy to try and help. So he edited some of the videos, but he did most of like the um, most of the animations in like the regulation section. So there's like one where like a car explodes and. Like it was kind of like really cheesy graphics, but he like did it on purpose to kind of be funny. Um, so so he did that, and then and he actually ended up winning an Emmy or something later on. I don't know which one you get for his category, an Emmy or Academy Award. His team did they were on something yeah. like Yeah, I think he got an Emmy. So I've been really tempted to like put in there like you know Emmy Award winning you know motion graphics designers worked on this course, but I was like that's ah, going a little that's probably going a little far. Um, but now, so him and this other guy that I that I had made the course edited everything for me, and it's funny because uh, the guy who edited it was Alex Harris, and then we became friends, and um, he really got into drones, and um, you know got his license and started doing like tons of drone work and going all over the world, you know, taking all this crazy epic video in like other countries, and um, and he was already a photographer and like a professional video guy who had worked in like. Hollywood for a while and for some different like networks and done jobs for like Discovery Channel and ESPN. So like he was he was really good. Uh, but he kind of turned parlayed that into doing drone stuff. And then after a while I was like, dude, do you want to just like partner with me to make like more courses for drone launch? Uh, and he's like, Yeah. So he ended up making two courses for us uh, that we partner partner on. So you got one <clears throat> sorry. One called Aerial Video A to Z. It's basically like everything from like framing and cinematography and shooting and the camera settings on the drone and how to get cinematic shots all the way to like doing all the editing and effects and titles and everything that goes into it. That's not my expertise, but it's his. 
Um, so we have one of that, and then a similar one, but just on focused on photography, drone photography. So that was kind of just like a random, you know, I found his course randomly. We ended up working together, and now, like, we talk all the time because we're partners together on those courses. So I thought that was kind of cool. Let's take a break to thank this week's mid-roll sponsor. Which is pretty rad, too, because I feel like a lot of people, I mean, like, for 107 work, you usually have, like, you're either collecting data or doing something creative, and I think a lot of people, when they buy a Phantom or whatever, they try to go, you know, like, the home route is, like, to go the creative route, but then... You know, like he had that cinematography background, and I feel like those people are silent assassins in the drone world. Like if you understand cameras and framing and that stuff, and then you yeah. add drones onto that, you're way better off than starting with a drone and trying oh, yeah. to add that on. So good call with adding for sure. courses like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, something we talk about all the time is like some people get this misconception of like, oh, cool, so I'm just going to like buy a drone and I'm going to be super in demand and like I'm gonna be so good because I own a drone and it's the same thing of like dude just because you own a camera doesn't make you a photographer yeah, it or can a be good a sick you camera know? but just competition is stiff oh yeah 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 it can be a sick camera but like you don't know what you're doing I mean if you see some of these professional photographers they'll say oh this was shot on an, on an iPhone 7 you know and it just looks like it absolutely incredible and you're like how is that possible and I always try to compare it to like uh, being a chef too right like just because you have the raw ingredients like the outcomes can be completely different, you know? So for instance, there's this like, I always like to compare it to this restaurant in DC. There's this guy, I think his name is Adam Silverman, but he, he has this restaurant in DC called, um, two of them. One of them is Rose's Luxury, another one's Pineapple and Pearls. Um, I don't think I've either eaten at either of them because I'm, I probably couldn't afford to. They're like <laughs> really expensive. Um, but you know, like the menu, like the food he uses, it's like, Oh, uh, short rib and uh, white asparagus. And like, you know, they're kind of, some of them are a little bit quirkier, but like, you can, I looked up the prices of them and it's like 20 bucks and five bucks, you know? So like, the raw ingredients aren't that much, but this dude charges, you know, like two or $300 per person for a dinner. And I try to equate that the same way to like, you know, it's not about like the raw ingredients you necessarily start with, whether like the drone or the camera or the this and that. Like, obviously, nice stuff helps. But just because you have nice stuff doesn't mean you're going to be able to get paid a lot. You know, it's like what you can do with it, right? So like you're saying, you know, people who have the eye for cinematography or framing a shot or um, maybe they've got a lot of industry knowledge. and so Maybe they've worked in oil and gas for 15 years and they know everything about pipelines. And now they get a drone with, that can detect um, different types of vapor and gas. They're going to be much more of an asset than a Joe Schmo who just has some money and can buy that same equipment, you know? Um, so it's always about, I, I tell people, if you're trying to like make money with drones, uh, it's a lot of more important like what you can do with the data and what you can do with the, the stuff that the drone captures and your network to be able to get business rather than just like, Hey, look, I own a drone, you know, like hire me, hire me. It's like definitely doesn't work like that. I think that's a really good point too at the restaurants. Like, um, I didn't mention it before, but like my previous career before drones was I was a chef and I owned a restaurant before all this. Oh, no way. Yeah. You're kidding me. No. Um, <laughs> that's I had no idea. Yeah. Back in Colorado. And it's like, and kind of like with a lot of creative services, it's like, you know, you're not paying for the ingredients or whatever you're paying for the years before. You know, mm-hmm. like you're paying the chef for like whatever years he spent training to learn all those techniques to make it taste delicious. You're not paying for the short rib. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a great point. So I try to try to educate people on that and be like, you know, just so they have the right expectations and so they know like what to equip themselves with, you know, to be successful. 
because there are definitely people who are successful in, in making money in this field. Um, but, you know, it's not like a magic, oh, I can buy a drone and I'm going to be, be rich, you know, because that's the thing. That's like with any, anything in business, right? Like if it's easy to do and the barriers are very low, then you're probably not going to get paid much to do it because supply and demand, right? Like big supply of people that want to do that. So if you can figure out a skill or figure out something within that market or niche where the the supply of people who can do that is a lot smaller, um, then it doesn't matter if the man, demand is you know in the middle. If the if the supply is really low, you can still charge a lot more. So the guys who are certified thermographers and all that stuff, right? Like that's expensive to do. It requires more expensive equipment. Requires more knowledge, more expertise. So the the pool of people who can do that kind of work is a lot smaller. So like, uh, it's good to if you're really wanting to do that to carve out um, some type of niche for yourself. And you know, all the regular businesses business principles. Like if you're starting any business, like still apply to the drone industry, right? You know, you got to have you have some differentiation. People have to need what you're selling or want what you're selling. You actually have to be good at it. You have to know how to do marketing and all that stuff too, right? So. It's not just a, oh, cool, let me get a Phantom 4 and, uh, you know, I'm going to make a billion dollars. Yeah, and I think that was like like a tough pill to swallow for some people because, like, 2016, I mean, once the 107 dropped to, like, maybe twenty late 2017, 2018 was kind of like the honeymoon Mm -hmm. phase. Like, a lot of people were getting 107s, and then, like, I know a lot of people that got their 107s did, like, one or two jobs and then petered off because they were like, oh, wow, like, this is not what I – I thought this was going to be, like, a turnkey solution to my banking routing number. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and um you know and i remember you, well earlier we were talking about how i started a new podcast and drone launch and uh, it's been really good for me to just hear from all these different people in the industry and um you know so for people who might be listening who don't know uh we started a podcast called the drone drone to 1k pod <clears throat> podcast so basically we got people who are making at least a thousand dollars a month with their drone, doing some type of drone service business. And, th- and I know that's not like a ton, right? But I wanted to get people who were, um, you know, doing it as a side gig and doing it full time. Um, but I figured a thousand dollars is at least a good cutoff to where it's like you're not just like re- super amateur with it. You're at least doing something to be able to generate some type of cash flow coming in. Um, so, uh, so we interviewed different. Drone entrepreneurs, so we're doing it in seasons because I don't have the type of consistency to keep up with a weekly podcast like this. So we recorded ten episodes up front, and then now we're kind of releasing them one week at a time. Kind of jealous and then I'll of that, record. actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then once that's over, I'll uh, we're currently taking applications for like the second season, and then we'll we'll go through them, pick our favorite ten, and then um, and then schedule those and record all of those and then we'll do the same kind of do the same thing and release it i like do much better like mentally knowing okay cool like i just got to record 10 i really enjoy talking to people but it's just i'm sure you know it's like a lot of work to like coordinate everything and get everything up and published and all you know it's just like a lot of moving pieces yeah, so like that, to the be talking like, part's the easy part honestly yeah um, it's yeah, all absolutely. like the, the seo and getting it right and uploading it and getting the audio right like that's what takes forever in my in my show oh, yeah yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So for me to be like mentally to commit to like, cool, I can commit to ten episodes and do that. But like otherwise, if it's like, oh, I missed a week or this, now you're off track, and now you're like, well, whatever, I didn't want to podcast anyways, forget it. You know, that's like my personality. So, uh, so I was like, cool, so I commit to it. So we got ten episodes recorded. Um, 
But what I was saying was it's really helpful for me to talk to these people because I can kind of see trends in successful people and uh, people who are doing it, this business. And um, you see a lot of common a lot of common themes where people are like, yep, I bought a drone. I started out doing like real estate photography and video, and then I realized that that's kind of hard to compete there. There's a lot of people who say they can do it. They're not very good, but realtors are kind of cheap, and so they like will buy that work. And um, it's kind of like it's kind of like a race to the bottom. And that's kind of I think what everybody thinks about when they think about drone stuff. Because I see a ton of people complain online about. Oh, there's more Part 107 pilots than there are jobs, and it's a race to the bottom, and a blah blah blah. And it's like, yeah, well, you're kind of competing for the jobs that anybody can get, so like that's kind of what's going to happen. Um, and so they do that, and then they kind of figure out, like, okay, I need to, I need to specialize in something, or I need to do something that's harder to do. That way, not as many people will do it. Um, and so that's when they'll break into like maybe they just focus on commercial only, and they develop good relationships with specific brokers or developers or whatever or maybe you know some of them have gone cool i'm just gonna like learn all about mapping in the construction industry and in architecture and they focus only with working on with like building developers and contractors and engineering firms and um doing like uh point clouds and modeling for them so they can put it into their building software so you know a wider range of stuff where that requires a lot more knowledge and more uh contacts and you know just it's it's not as easy to kind of just step right into um, so it's been cool to see how people have been able to be successful with that and, uh, it's been fun talking to them and, and kind of seeing how that goes. Yeah. And what made you um, like a writ, like what made you think, Hey, like I should start a podcast. Cause like, I know, you know, the drone launch thing was pretty demanding. Um, what made you just be like, Hey, we should, you know, add an element to this. Um, and then what made you, I mean, I guess you kind of answered it though. The threshold of one K is like people that it's not just a hobby. It's like a serious side hustle at the least. Yeah, exactly. Like it could still be a hobby, but they're at least like doing it somewhat seriously enough to just at least go through um, the motions. Yeah, and I mean to give you the the inside scoop on like why I thought about a podcast. So later in the year, and I've actually never told anybody this publicly before. So maybe just keep it between you and me, and then whoever else is listening to this. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're gonna actually like. Uh, well, the plan is, and I haven't developed it yet, so, I mean, plans could change. But the plan was to develop, like, a program or a course for people who really want to, like, do a drone business and, um, like, have a, like, that would be, like, the next course that we would offer um, is helping people start and launch a drone business that makes them at least $1,000 a month uh, or more would be kind of be, like, the course promise. Um, and I say, you know, maybe because I'm not going to, launch that course unless we're like really confident like we could make that happen for people and so um so the the podcast was a way to kind of get some like hey how are people doing it and what approaches do they use and what's the what's like what are the keys really like what how do they market and what industries are they in and you know kind of almost like a like a big research survey that i'm publishing publicly you know um so, so that was the original, and you know, I thought, and, and that's one of the things we got the most questions on a lot of times with 107. I just saw so many people who were like wanting to do it either as a side hustle or they really wanted to look into doing it full time. That I knew that this would be really helpful uh, information for them to have. So I thought, cool, we'll do this. It'll be helpful for people. Uh, it'll kind of be a great way to, um, you know, get more info from the marketplace on our end to see if this is something like worth pursuing. 
Um, so, uh, so yeah, so hopefully maybe later in the fall 2019, we'll, uh, we'll launch like a little beta group for that. So we'll probably reach out to people who are, have already taken previous courses with us before and then be in like kind of send some of them through like a test program to see like how good it is, you know, like if we do it and they're all like, Oh, this sucks. Like this didn't make me any money. We're going to be like, cool. Well, <laughs> we're not going to offer this to anybody else. Yeah. I think um, that's a good call though. Cause it, like for me personally, like I got a one Oh seven out of necessity. Like people were like, Hey, can you come do this? Can you come do that? And I was like, okay, I need to get a one Oh seven. But I think for a lot of the masses, it's like, I have a one Oh seven. Now what? And especially if you still have a day job exactly. and you're not just like, you know, like, I don't want to say hungry or like desperate enough to where you're like, okay, I need to just like send a thousand emails and make some phone calls and make this happen. But some people get a little pigeonholed with like, I have a rig, I have a 107, but I'm having a hard time like breaking through to like consistent work. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I've talked to so many people who are just like, I don't even know that I need to send a thousand emails to like drum up work. They're just like, I don't even know what to do. You know what I mean? Um, so We've been working with a couple people, like one-on-one, um, just to kind of like coach them through stuff, uh, just kind of seeing what works and what doesn't work and almost using them like guinea pigs to like, hey, you get free advice from me, uh, but at the same time, I can't promise that it's all going to be good advice, you know? So we've been working together on stuff. Because, um, you know, for me, I like started businesses and I, I feel comfortable with the business background, but, you know, drones are still relatively new as far as business goes, you know? It's like the last five years or so. So it's, and it's constantly changing. So to know exactly what you're offered, like what you're offering and the value that you're bringing and just really clarifying that and being able to, yeah, to it's narrow like that down for people or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No exactly. So, um, right, right. So, um, so it's been fun learning that and figuring that out, but that was, that was to answer your question. That was kind of the original, uh, incentive behind doing the podcast was kind of dual purpose People ask us that question a lot, so I knew people would be interested to hear stories from other people. And at the same time, it helps us kind of get a gauge on if uh, that like was something worth pursuing and something that something that people might be interested in in the future. Yeah. Um, and on the front of you know like the whole academy, um, do you have? I mean, I'm sure you know the exact number. You can just give me a rough gauge. But how many people have gone through your course? Yeah, so the Part 107 course, we've had over 8,000 people go through that. Um, wow, and then yeah. total students through part, through Drone Launch Academy total is about, uh, it's, it's over 10,000. I can't remember the exact number, but last time I checked, it was over 10,000. Um, so 2,000 through other courses. And some of those, we offered a free course for a while. And so some of those additional 2,000 went through like a, a freebie course we had. Um, but several others have gone through either the Aerial Photo Pro, <clears throat> sorry, Aerial Video A to Z, or they've done a combination of, you know, Part 107 and those. Um, we have a roofing course. I'm not sure if you saw that, uh, Martin, but we, we sent 50 people through, like, a beta test of a new uh, aerial roof inspection course we created. Um, and so I'm actually flying out to San Diego tomorrow to do some more filming for that and put the finishing touches on that one. And then we'll get that one, uh, released out. So that'll be kind of like our third non part one Oh seven course. Um, and, so now you're just you know, like honing, like <clears throat> honing in on like these specific niches of, um, like avenues of one Oh seven work. Like, I mean, roofing is something I've been asked about or heard about a lot, but like, haven't really seen like a black and white regimented structure to get the full grasp of knowledge about. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, the plan is to partner with industry experts on stuff. So, you know, like, again, like I said, when I was doing like consulting stuff, I'm not going to hold myself out to be an expert on something that I like don't know. So I'm not going to go out there and be like, hey guys, I'm David Young. Let me show you how to do all the roof surveying stuff. Like I could know it, but I don't have the same uh, like experience level as someone else. So like we try to partner with somebody else who's been doing it for a while, who like knows what they're doing. And then they have knowledge, but they have no idea how to like, or they don't have the idea, but they don't have, they don't know how to put it into a course. They don't have the time to put it into a course and they don't have an audience and they don't really care to, you know what I mean? So we kind of join forces with them to say like, hey, you give us your expertise. We'll do all like the production and marketing and all that jazz and, you know, uh, distribution um, and then kind of work together with them on that. So that's what we've done for the roofing stuff. And it's uh, it's been good. But yeah, it's 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 a lot of work putting these things together and knowing like to take it from like, cool, you have this information, but how do you structure it and make it standardized and deliver it in a way that's not boring and at the same time, like you know, that you know will work across a broad spectrum because things change so quickly. And um, so, yeah, so it's kind of difficult, but I know, you know, construction and roofing is kind of like a part of like a subset of construction, but that's just like a really um, big growth area for where drones can have value now. You know, I think, you know, like everybody knows in the future, like it's going to be drone deliveries and drone taxis and all the beyond line of sight and totally autonomous stuff. But that's like still in the future, right? Like you can't do that stuff today. So as far as like where drones can add value today, right? Like where we're legally allowed to use them, you know, it's, it's the obvious film, cinema, like movies, marketing, that kind of stuff. Um, on like the, as far as the commercial stuff goes, like people also, you know, photo, uh, photography too, like people sell photos, but yeah, it's like data um, creativity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, and then there's like the mapping stuff, which, Roofing would probably fall under the mapping a little bit, um, even though there's some of the like non-mapping stuff. But like the roofing course we teach is like, you know, it gives you like the how to do the drone service. So basically, you're using whatever software you want. We use Drone Deploy, like the free part of it, where you're doing the it'll fly over and take all the images of the roof from the different angles, and then um, you can use Drone Deploy to stitch them together. That's like the paid version, but there's some other free versions out there like. Uh, maps made easy. You can use that up to like a certain amount of uh, images. Um, so you use that to like stitch it together, create the ortho map, and then um, we run it through another free software to get all like the um, to identify all the roof parts and features and measurements, and it, so it can it can give a roofer or an insurance adjuster exactly like super accurate details on square footage and slope and identifying where all the roof obstructions are. So. People use it, like solar installers use it to know like how they're going to um, lay out solar panels for like a new roof install. Roofers use it to do estimates for new roofs. Um, insurance adjusters use it. So those are kind of like the main uh, targets. And then people who want to do uh, those reports for roofers, solar installers, insurance adjusters, which that part is not as common yet. You know, it's not like a, an established industry of people doing that for those service providers. Um, but like, we know people that do it. So trying to just like teach people, Hey, this is an option, but it's kind of like a, a little bit of uncharted waters. If you want to be doing this as a service for those people. Um, so, so yeah, so that's kind of like the newest course. And that's what we've been, that's what I've been kind of knee deep in lately. 
Awesome. Um, and you mentioned too, um, like a visual line of sight and stuff like that. I'm sure you've got a better read on drone regulation than most people. Do you have any idea of when beyond visual line of sight laws are going to change or when you can file permits to do it? Or is that still pretty far off on the horizon? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm not going to claim to know for sure, but, um, you know, the remote ID thing, right? So they got to figure out how to like know where every drone is in the air so it doesn't hit other airplanes and how they can redirect traffic and control all the drone movement. So they're trying to figure that out. Last time I checked, they're working with like NASA and a bunch of other smart places to, to figure that out. Um, Sounds expensive. <laughs> yeah, I should I shouldn't I should know more of it than I probably do. Like I've read little things here and there, but I have by no means like super in depth researched this uh, as of lately. Um, but you know, there's a lot of air traffic and management uh, stuff for them to work out still. Um, you know, I think obviously the technology's there to fly drones beyond line of sight from the like the drone manufacturer standpoint. You know, because Amazon's done these successful tests and this and that, but it's just the biggest challenge, you know, is integrating that into the regular airspace where it's like a normal thing, where it's on a massive scale, and, you know, they can go into neighborhoods, but also out of, you know, because right now, normal aircraft, right, they land at airports, they take off at airports, but otherwise, they're up pretty high the rest of the time. They don't have to worry about, like, being close to the ground, except for, like, helicopters. Um, sorry, man. <clears throat> you should good. My throat, I got this throat tickle that won't go away. Um, but when you're flying super low, I mean, think about all the stuff that could jack up a drone that's low to the ground or like an airplane. You, yeah, like you can't hit the sky, so the ground is what yeah, you exactly. worry about. <laughs> but I mean, there's so much like trees, power lines, um, you know, like ant like the cables from the antennas, like people flying kites, people like all just just so much random stuff that's like, in the way um, when you're down like below 100 feet. And so having a drone autonomously navigate that environment, I don't know, I think that's pretty difficult, but I, you know, I know they can do it now. Um, but to do that, going up and down while everybody else is, all the other aircraft are moving around, it's just, yeah, it's a lot. So I think it's still several, year, several years away. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing too. Like I, I mean, for the most part, I come from the FPV world and like the technology has existed for a while to go like two to five miles out, you know, you'll be sub 200 feet off the ground and you'll have video off the drone. And I don't think you're really a risk to much um, besides losing the aircraft, but it's still like this weird gray area where the FAA says, no, you're not endangering any planes. And it's like, yeah, I have visual line of sight because I need it um, to get clear video, but there's goggles over my face and I'm two miles out. It's a, it's a weird area. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, technically, if, and it's hard with the FPV stuff, too, because that's considered more, like, recreational for the most part, as most people use it, you know? Um, but, yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean... And, it, and everybody's... Uh, we, wait, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, it is. It's just a weird area. Like, it's mostly recreational. Like, I and a good amount of other people do it for pay. And, like, I recently had on um, a Delta pilot and, like, the FPV drones. Like, for, I mean, minus, like, low-flying Cessnas and helicopters, like you said, like, we would run out of battery power before we got into commercial territory. Like, for us, like, a Phantom getting up 2,000 feet is way more likely than a racing drone on, you know, 1,300 milliamps of 4S power. It's just not going to happen. Like, you're more likely to hit 
hit the side of mm-hmm. like a skyscraper or like crash land in a park, <laughs> but that's not really yeah. like as much of an FAA issue. Cause I think they're looking out for the safety of other aircraft and regulating the skies, not like crashing into a bay window on someone's house. Right. I mean, for the most part, I mean, they, someone might argue like, Oh, technically that's an aircraft and an aircraft damages, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, yeah, for the most part, they're worried about the skies. Um, and most of the municipalities and local folks are worried about like privacy and danger, you know, citizens. Yeah, that's like the top question. People parks, are like, are yeah. you spying with that thing? And I'm like, I can, oh it's God. got a yeah. 35 degree camera till I can barely keep it in a hover. <laughs> and I love when people are like, this guy was spying on me. I'm like, unless you have like a, like a Z30, like super expensive, like yeah. camera that's zooming in on you. Like yeah. you look like an ant. If, if you're like, if you're more than 30 feet off the ground, they're not, they're not spying yeah. on you in your bikini. You, like you, they can't even barely Sir, see Sir, unless you had the Swedish bikini team in your backyard, I did just, <laughs> I just kept flying. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Although your you know your your sweet barbecue was really interesting to me, like I I was not trying to spy on you. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Um, um, but yeah, I think I think the whole like the online of sight stuff and the drone deliveries and all that's probably still several years away for them figuring all that out um, from like a regulation standpoint. But who knows? I could be wrong. Who knows? And like for the data side and mapping, um, you know, like. I think, like, for me personally as a pilot, like, you could gain so much efficiency. Like, if I could just knock out, like, two square miles um, in one flight versus having to, like, move my launch point, you know, even if I'm, like, deep in unregulated airspace, like, I still have to move my launch point, keep it within visual line of sight. And, like, like, I totally get it. Safety comes first. They're trying to look into, like, where the future is going. Um, but there's got to be, like, a sweet spot where you can figure it out. Kind of like if you file paperwork to fly, um, you know, like, after Civil Twilight and stuff like that. Like, if there was just an option where you're like, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to install this tracker for this flight. Here's my setup. Um, you know, just figure it out, something like that. Yeah, and who knows, you know, like, whatever they just end up doing, and maybe it is something like that. Um, but, yeah, I know what you mean, like, especially for these guys who are, like, inspecting pipelines and stuff, right? Like, they're just like, hey, I just want to take one, like, fixed-wing UAV and just fly it all the way down this pipeline in one swoop. You know, it's, like, kind of impossible right now, technically. Um, but think about it. If they could do that, that'd be be awesome. Yeah. Um, and on so. the FAA front, have you or, like, people you've known with ever had to... Um, like had to deal with any like serious FA infractions or like what's the worst you've ever heard of um, that the FA cared about? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to, so I actually met the FAA guys who, a lot of them who like developed the Part 107 regulations and stuff at uh, a conference a couple months ago. And I was almost like, oh my gosh, the the, the gods have spoken, you know? But I was like, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. They were just normal, normal dudes. Um, Weird. But uh, I, I didn't get to I, know, I didn't get to talk to him too much. I was like, cool. So you guys want to like sponsor my prep course? And they're like, yeah, I don't think so. I was like, okay, well, yeah, to ask. Um, like I'm ex FBI. This guy's an Air, Air Force uh, retiree. You might yeah, want to think about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, ooh, I don't think our, they. I, they said something like, I don't think our general counsel would like that. I was talking to the PS, the uh, testing people. Anyways, it didn't happen. But um, but no. So I've I've met them. Everybody that I, I will say this, everybody that I've talked to at the FBA, FBI, FBI, oh my gosh, FAA, everybody that I've talked to at the FAA, whether I've called them on the phone, uh, email back and forth, or in person, 
they've been extremely nice and very helpful. I think like their goal is to like really be helpful and stuff. Um, but you know, they're just, this is all like brand new uncharted waters for them since they've been like dealing with traditional aviation for the last hundred years, you know, and now all of a sudden they have to worry about drones. So it's a lot for them to try to like figure out. Um, but the worst I've ever heard of, I don't know anybody personally who's like really been slapped down by the FAA. Um, because I think you have to do some pretty stupid stuff to like get the really big fines. You got to do stupid um, stuff and however, post it on the internet. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the, I did hear about one guy. I wouldn't say what he was doing was stupid. I don't know how high he was flying, but he wasn't licensed. This might've been in the three thirty three days, or maybe this was after the part one of seven had come out. But he, like, took a photograph for, like, a high school where they were making, like, some, you know, it was, like, a bunch of people on a football field, like, spelling something out in the way they were standing or something like that. And he had taken a couple photographs of them and and then posted them somewhere. And I don't remember how this, and, and I don't know all the specific details, but he got some, like, crazy fine. I think it was, like, and again, I, I, I could be way off, but I think it was, like, the original thing says, like, the suit was for, like, $50,000 or something ridiculous. Um, I'm like, wow. So that's the only one I've seen. And, again, I could Google it, and it'd probably be something totally different on the dollar amount. But uh, but I've seen a couple, a handful of instances like that where it seems like they just went, like, crazy on a couple people with the, with the smackdown. Um, but the majority I've seen, you know, I think the industry is still so new, and they're still, like, Everything is still being figured out so much that um, I don't think their goal at this point is to, like, fine everyone to death. It's more just, like, you know, get people more and more educated and get more and more of the system, uh, like, in place. And then, you know, once it's kind of they got the bumps smoothed out, you know, they'll start kind of, I don't know. Yeah, like breaking down on people a little bit more. I don't know. That's just a guess. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Know. Like I had, I've, I had uh, Steel Davis on here, and he got called in by the FAA for some building dives in Atlanta, and they called him into their offices, and like he just explained his case. And I think you know, like you said, it's a new thing for the FAA, and they, you know, like to their credit, kind of took it as a learning experience. They were like, okay, they weren't like, hey, we're gonna knock you with this. They were like, okay, so what was going on here? What technology were you using? How did you do it? And they, you know, like he didn't get fined or anything. They just wanted to talk to him and like learn about what had happened. Um, and it was like, and I think overall, like to the FA's credit, when this all first started happening, a lot of us thought that they were just going to go to the wall with um, regulation. But I think they've really um, like taken it well and kind of like let the hobby or professional side of it, whatever, kind of grow and just put some regulations on it that makes sense. And to me, it's kind of like speeding, um, you know, like not to incentivize it, but like if you're speeding on a backcountry road by yourself, no one's ever going to know about it. If you're speeding through town, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get arrested. Speeding through town with a GoPro on your, on your car and then you put it on YouTube. Live stream. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. And then, um, so, so are some people getting fined? Yeah. Is it like the norm? I'd say probably not. But most people I know that are getting a 107 aren't doing it to avoid fines. They're doing it more for the clients that will be hiring them because, like, more and more people are saying, like, hey, if I'm going to hire a drone pilot, I want them to be professional. I want them to be licensed, insured, just like if you're going to go hire a plumber or somebody, right? You know what I mean? Like, you want to – it's just, like, another mark of, hey, I know the rules. I'm doing this professionally. 
Um, I know what I'm doing. So most people I know are, are getting the Part 107 license more from just a professional and liability standpoint rather than a, oh, I'm really afraid that the FAA is going to like kick my door down in the middle of the night and find me with all this money. You know, That'd be something. <laughs> yeah. Which FAA, I don't even know what that would look like. Would they just be like... Yeah, I've still never seen an FAA cop. I always hear it's just a phone call or a letter. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think so. Yeah, and and it's just and it's funny too. I, I have heard a lot of instances of like people interacting with local law enforcement about drones, and just there's just so much confusion to like on what like with police on like what them knowing like what's allowed and what's not allowed. You know, because like I had a friend and they're like, you can't fly that here, and he's like, oh, technically I can. And they're like, no, you can't. And, and for him, he's like, I could sit there and argue with them for like thirty minutes. And like, or I'll just like, you know, I could just move on somewhere else. And so sometimes that can be frustrating. Just people aren't aware of like what the regulations are. Um, yeah, I've so, definitely but, had people call the cops on me and then the cop shows up and they're like, oh, it's some guy just nerding out with his little, like I always like, if a cop ever comes, I call it a toy quadcopter. I never refer to it as a drone. Just try to keep the buzzwords <laughs> out of the sentence, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, sir, this is not a gun. This is a metal projectile. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, straight up. Um, but really, like, you know, like, it's it's like the same thing, like, getting pulled over speeding. Like, if you're honest, you look the guy in the eye or the girl, and you just say, like, here's what I'm doing, here's my background, here's my research. Um, if you want me to leave, I'll go. Um, you know, like, just don't put up a fight. Like, don't argue the thing. And uh, Dude, for the yeah. most part, the other person's, like, been in the wrong, and it's usually just, like, some crazy lady with, like, six dogs that's – probably more of an infraction because she should have had uh, all her dogs on a leash in that area, but didn't, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I, honestly, I mean, not to get on like whole law enforcement bent, but I feel like most of the people who end up having issues are the people who are kind of like belligerent. You know what I mean? They're just like, they love digging their heels in and proving their point rather than being like, Hey, how can I make this the most positive outcome? You know what I mean? Uh, so like if it's, you know, if most people are, if you're respectful and kind of just explain, what's going on, you know, like you're not going to have, you're not going to, you're not going to be going to jail or anything, but, yeah. uh, or just, you're not really going to have an issue most of the time. But, uh, but it's the people who like to be like, I know my rights. You can't talk to me. You know, you're spying like, on okay, me. here we go. You're like lady, I yeah, wasn't right. spying on you with 120 frames a second on a GoPro. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, as we uh, as we wind this down, um, what would your two cents be on? Like, I know some of my listeners um, like have thought about getting a 107. Um, what would be your like? You know, besides getting the 107, um, what would be like your drone of choice and like starting to make money off of it? Like, first hustle avenues to look into. Just like you know, an elevator pitch hmm. of like, here's what you should get and here's what you should look into. Yeah. Um, so I would say, uh, one thing that's got, I believe, and I could, I might have to research this more, but the Mavic Air, uh, I think is compatible with drone deploy and it shoots raw photos. So, um, the Spark is the one that's like stepped down from that, but, and, and I don't think it shoots in raw and I don't think it connects to drone deploy. But I think if you go with the Mavic Air, I think those are about six or 700 bucks now. I think it'll give you 4K video, give you, let you shoot raw photos. That'll basically get you what you need to like get indoors. So you can do mapping stuff with it if you need to. You can do um, professional enough like photography, video, that kind of stuff. Um, so I would probably get a Mavic Air because it's probably the most affordable like 
but good option. And you could make that. And back then, um, yeah, yeah. And then I would say, like, as far as like work goes, obviously that depends on like, what your immediate background is, right? Like, like we talked about earlier, if you're already a photographer, or if you're already, uh, you know, a video person, and you have knowledge in that area, or maybe some contacts, you know, I would go that route and um, make some like maybe go the marketing video route or, or um, kind of on the on the artistic side as we talked about. Uh, but if you like, if you know construction people or if you're in engineering or something like that, um, that industry experience will really be helpful in allowing you to use the drone as a tool uh, for that. So, uh, but most people, if they're like totally starting from scratch, um, I, I think it's good, even though it is more competition and doesn't pay as well, it's good to get started I think with just doing some marketing for people. So I know people who kind of take the, the freebie approach where they go out and, uh, and several people that I've had on the, the podcast did it this way. So it's good practice for you. And it just helps like spread your name a little bit. Well, they'll go and they'll see like a new, um, you know, apartment development going up and they'll go out and they'll take pictures and they'll take some progress photos. Cause like I mean, technically you don't really need permission to fly over it and take pictures. Um, Unless you know you could, unless you're getting like down there in their space and kind of interfering with stuff. But normally you're not going to be not going to be doing that. Or you can ask for permission to say, "Hey, can I come in here and or can I fly my drone over and take some photos?" But most of the time, you can just go take some pictures, um, maybe take some video. And uh, I know people they've taken those and they've looked at the big sign on the front to see who was developing it. They sent the photos to the developer and say, "Hey, um, I'm a you know professional drone pilot. I was driving by." Uh, I thought I'd take some pr- progress photos for you. Uh, these might be helpful to have. Here you go. You know, my treat. Um, if you want me to do more of these, you know, feel free to reach out. Uh, but, you know, no pressure. just wanted to give these to you. I uh, thought you might find them helpful. And people have said they've gotten a lot of business from just taking the freebie approach of just, like, sending something, making that first contact, kind of establishing some goodwill. People get hired back to take weekly or monthly progress photos. Or maybe it's a realtor who says, oh, cool. Thank you for that. I've actually got another huge house over here that would really benefit from like some aerial photos and maybe like a video down, a video tour of like the inside and the exterior. Um, so people have gotten work that way. So I might start on that on that route because it's a little bit um, easier to get into, and it's just you know you can do it by just driving around and keeping your drone in the back of your car. And when you see a good opportunity, you go snag some photos, get some video, and make them something look nice, and send it off and see what you can do. And you can start to kind of see what works that way and then kind of build into build into other areas. Yeah, I think that's a some really good insight. Um all right, man. Well, I really appreciate you on the show. I think this was awesome for myself, let alone my listeners and as someone that went through the drone launch course, which uh it took me longer than I want to talk about and at the end of it I just felt like an idiot for not doing it <laughs> faster. <laughs> um but I really appreciate this. Um you want to plug Drone Launch Academy the podcast where we can find it and all that. Yeah, man. Um, so the the podcast is Drone to One K. So like Drone T O, and then like one, then the letter K. Uh, if you just search that on iTunes or any podcast place, you should be able to find it. Or if you just search Drone Launch Academy, I'm sure it'll come up too because it's Drone to One K podcast by Drone Launch Academy. So but yeah, we do interviews of other drone entrepreneurs who are, who are doing pretty well in a variety of industries. So um, we've been excited about doing that. And if you want to get the 107. Like we talked about, we've got that prep course. Um, if you feel like not messing around, trying to find all the info yourself and cobbling it together, we'd love to have you take our course. I give this code on my podcast, but you're welcome to have it here too. If you use the code PODCAST50, 
it'll give you 50 bucks off of that uh, oh, normal definitely. price. Is like it'll be a good but, jump off point but, for uh, some people that are on the edge of thinking about doing it. Yeah. And actually, I don't know if, you know, we're, we're also planning on splitting it out. So right now we have like the prep course all together. You get like, uh, you get like an ebook, you get the videos and the quizzes and all that stuff together. We're actually going to be breaking it out to where you can like buy chunks of it separately. So we're going to have the ebook that you can buy, just the ebook. We're, we're actually recording an audio book that you can buy separately. And then you can buy the course separately that has all the quizzes and the videos and all that. So you can buy like all as one bundle. Oh, and we have some like flashcards too to help. So you can buy each of those chunks individually. So like, let's say you don't want to drop 150, 200 bucks on a prep course. You just want to get the ebook or the audio book. You can just buy that by itself. Um, if you want like a little cheaper option, but still want to study. So hopefully that's coming in the next month or two here. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks David. I really appreciate it. This was awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I loved, I loved, uh, chatting with you. Thank you.